What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Questions this morning over Russia's promise to scale back military operations. The January 6th committee discovers big gaps in former President Trump's phone logs. U.S. futures slump after four straight days of games. And hackers pull off one of the biggest crypto heists ever. Three Buffalo police officers were shot. Plus, the White House won't block President Trump's daughter and son-in-law from testifying before House committee. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshaw in sports. Kevin Durant led the Nets to victory over the Pistons. Chris Kreider and the Rangers with a road win at Pittsburgh. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. Stock Index futures are lower this morning. We're coming up to 6.01 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 16 points this morning. Dow futures down 111. NASDAQ futures down 68. The DAX in Germany is down 1.4%. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 2.39%. The yield on the two-year, 2.31%. NYMEX crude oil is up 2.1%, up $2.20 at $100. $6.48 a barrel, and the euro is at 1.1126 against the dollar. Nathan. All right, Karen, let's get to the latest now on the war in Ukraine. Russia is promising to scale back military operations near the capital city of Kiev and the city of Chernihiv, but there are still reports of shelling in both areas. President Biden was asked whether he thinks the war is ending or if Russia is just buying time. We'll see. I don't read anything into it until I see what their actions are. We'll see if they follow through on what they're suggesting. President Biden spoke at a news conference with the prime minister of Singapore. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky also has his doubts. We can say that the signals we hear from the talks are positive, but these signals can't silence the explosions of Russian shells. President Zelensky says there are grounds not to trust Russia. A regional governor says the city of Chernihiv was shelled all night despite Russia's promises. The U.N. says more than 4 million refugees have now fled Ukraine. That is nearly 10 percent of the population. Meantime, back in the U.S., Nathan, new revelations tied to last year's attack on the Capitol. There are more than seven hours of gaps in White House telephone logs from the afternoon of January 6th. And those gaps coincide with the same time protesters swarm the U.S. Capitol. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. The committee investigating the insurrection found a big gap from a little after 11 a.m. to about 7 p.m. in the logs provided by the National Archives. But there is evidence that the president did talk with people inside the Capitol that day, including Kevin McCarthy, Jim Jordan, and Mike Pence, calls that don't show up on the White House logs. Now the committee is trying to determine if the president bypassed the White House system by using a burner phone or his aides' cell phones. In Washington, I'm Amy 
Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Amy, thanks. Let's take a look at markets now, beginning with Treasuries. The 10-year yield briefly dropped below its two-year equivalent yesterday for the first time since 2019. That inversion is leading to growing calls about the likelihood of a U.S. recession, but Aaron Brown at PIMCO says those concerns may be premature. It has been a good you know, predictor in the past that a recession is coming, but I don't think that really tells you anything new. We knew that we were a late cycle, and typically the yield curve inverts, and then it takes anywhere from 18 to 24 months to actually move into a recession. So we're still quite a ways out until potentially we're going to enter into a recession. PIMCO fund manager Aaron Brown says it is more critical to look at why the yield curve is inverting. Meantime, all eyes are on the Fed, and we will hear more from the central bank later today. Tune in for an exclusive interview with Richmond Fed President Tom Barkin. That's coming up at 10.30 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Well, when it comes to stocks, Nathan, we're coming off four straight days of gains. The S&P 500 closed above the 4,600 level for the first time since mid-January. Right now, it's down just 3% from an all-time high. Luca Paolini is chief strategist at Pick 10 Asset Management. The markets were significantly oversold for a number of reasons. Of course, the war in Ukraine, the Federal Reserve, weaker data. And now everything seems to be not as bad as we thought it was. And so I think that there is this kind of... Uh, sort of really friendly. Luca Paolini at Pictet Asset Management says despite the rally, he remains cautious. And we're also hearing caution from Bank of America, Karen. Its analysts warn that an 11% surge in stocks over the past two weeks has the hallmarks of a bear market rally, and it might give way to deeper losses. We get the details from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Those analysts say warning signs are flashing for a market that has climbed despite clearly weaker fundamentals, including a Federal Reserve bent on raising rates sharply this year to battle persistent inflation. The strategists caution that the sell-off that took the S&P 500 12% from its January record is not over, and sharp rallies are typical of volatility in bear markets, with some of the biggest on record occurring in the throes of the dot-com meltdown and the global financial crisis. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. And let's look at some stocks that are moving this morning. Shares of Lululemon are up 7.5% in early trading. The athletic wear retailer delivered a sales forecast that beat estimates. Micron shares are up more than 4%. The largest U.S. memory chip maker gave an upbeat forecast, a sign that demand remains strong from data center customers. And on the flip side, shares of Chewy are down 14%. The online retailer of pet care products put out a forecast that fell short of estimates. Cryptocurrencies are also in focus this morning, Karen, after what is being called one of the biggest crypto attacks ever. And it wasn't discovered for almost a week. Let's get the details live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Hackers stole about $600 million from a blockchain network connected to the popular Axie Infinity online game. They drained what's known as the Ronin Bridge of close to 174,000 Ether and almost 30 million USDC tokens. The so-called bridge lets people convert tokens into ones that can be used on another network. The blockchain that supports Axie Infinity says the breach happened on March 23rd, but was just discovered yesterday. This attack is the latest to show how bridge attacks and hacks can threaten the ecosystem of decentralized apps. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. Checking Bitcoin right now. It's lower on the session, trading around $47,300. This is Bloomberg. 
It's now 6.07 on Wall Street. We're at 30 degrees in Central Park, still dealing with an accident that's got the upper level of the Verrazano Bridge closed, heading into Staten Island. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. It was a wild scene up in Buffalo. Three police officers were hit by gunfire after a motorist fled a traffic stop and led them on a chase through the city's streets. The suspected gunman was firing at officers from the vehicle. Authorities say officers shot and wounded the driver at an intersection in front of a police station. Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown. A very, very dangerous situation, and we are very thankful uh, that two suspects involved in this situation are in police custody. Mayor Brown says none of the officers' injuries resulted in life-threatening moments and no civilians on the street were hit by the flying bullets. Police said the suspect who was shot was undergoing surgery. The White House would not block former President Donald Trump's daughter and son-in-law, Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner, from testifying to the House committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot. White House spokeswoman Kate Bettenfield says the constitutional protections of executive privilege should not be used to shield from Congress or the public information about an attack on the Constitution itself. Kushner is expected to appear voluntarily before the committee this week. A team of U.S. airplane accident investigators and technical experts could head to China as soon as this week to help unravel the mysterious crash of a Boeing 737 jet earlier this month. All 132 people on board the China Eastern jet were killed. President Joe Biden signed a law making lynching a federal hate crime. The president said racial hate isn't an old problem, it's a persistent one. Hate never goes away. It only hides. It hides under the rocks. Given just a little bit of oxygen, it comes roaring back out, screaming. President Biden, an American astronaut who spent nearly a year on the International Space Station, is coming back to a world that has seen some dramatic changes. Mark Vandehei will be returning to Earth, and for a time, it wasn't clear that the Russians would give him a ride home because of the war in Ukraine. Before departing the International Space Station, Russian cosmonaut Anton Skarpalov talked about continued cooperation in space. People uh, have problems on Earth, on orbit. Uh, we are like, uh, we, we are not like, we are one crew. They are due to land in Kazakhstan this morning. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Just about 6.10 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. All right, Nathan. Regular seasons winding down. Playoff positions being jockeyed for. Rangers would love to have home ice advantage in the first round. They've only lost six regulation home games all season. They're battling with Pittsburgh. They beat the Penguins 3-2 to move one point ahead. Frank Petrano, Braden Schneider scored in the second period. And then Chris Kreider early in the third. 45th goal of the season for Kreider. The Islanders won 4-3 at Columbus. The Nets had to come from behind in Brooklyn, but they beat Detroit 130-123. to Kevin Durant scored 41 points. At the Garden, NIT semifinal wins for Xavier and Texas A&M. They'll play tomorrow with the championship. Could be the last NIT game in New York, at least for a while. Until last year, the tournament always ended at MSG. Now they're going to move it around to other cities. In Florida, 10-0 win for the Mets over the Marlins. Another home run for Francisco Lindor. Disappointment in his first season as a Met, but he's hit four home runs in 20 spring training at Basque. Yankees, 14-2 over the Phillies. 
fourth homer for Kyle Agasioka. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell met the media at the owners' meetings in Palm Beach, asked about the league possibly suspending quarterback Deshaun Watson, who's still facing 22 civil lawsuits for sexual misconduct. You know, these are serious charges, so we're, we're looking at this seriously. Um, we uh, now have, obviously, at least resolution from the criminal side of it. Um, obviously, there's still civil charges that are going on. So our investigators hopefully will have access to more information. Watson was recently traded to Cleveland, where he got a massive new contract. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Thanks, John. Red headline crossing the Bloomberg terminal. The Kremlin reports no breakthrough in Ukraine talks and says much work remains. The latest on the war next with Bloomberg's Rosalind Matheson. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by Anshin Accountants and Advisors. Challenging times call for proactive advisors who help minimize taxes, increase cash flow, and create opportunities for the future of your business. Visit Anshin.com. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning amid warnings that gains of the past two weeks have the hallmarks of a bear market rally and concerns that the Treasury curve signals a looming recession. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 20 points, Dow futures down 128, and NASDAQ futures down 95. The DAX in Germany is down 1.5%. The 10-year Treasury down 3.30 seconds, yield 2.40%. The yield on the two-year, 2.32%. NYMEX crude oil Oil is up about 2% or $2.03 at $106.25 a barrel. Comex gold up 4 tenths percent or $7.60 at $19.25.60 an ounce. The euro 1.1129 against the dollar. British pound 1.3144. The yen is at 121.88. And Bitcoin this morning moving lower down half percent at $47,260. BioNTech says it plans a share of buyback of as much as $1.5 billion and will propose a special dividend returning some of the profits from its best-selling COVID-19 vaccine to shareholders. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Russia's pledge to scale back some military operations in Ukraine is drawing skepticism. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said there was no reason to believe Russia's announcement that it would reduce military activity near the capital of Kiev, given what's happening on the ground. Thousands have died, and the U.N. Refugee Agency says more than 4 million Ukrainians have fled the country. A green light has been given to a second booster shot of the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines for Americans over 50 and the immune-compromised. The decision comes as there's concern over a new COVID-19 variant. In the NBA, the Nets won, the Wizards lost. In the NHL, the Rangers and Islanders won, the Bruins lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thanks. 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we're joined now by Bloomberg News Executive Editor for International Government, Rosalind Matheson, just as we're hearing from the Kremlin after yesterday's talks with Ukraine in Turkey. The headline this morning from spokesman Dmitry Peskov, Russia doesn't observe any breakthrough in Ukraine talks and a lot of work remains to be done. 
Roz, it seems like this is just adding to the whipsaw effect. Well, that's right. But in fact, yesterday when they had these talks in Istanbul, they came away with no great progress at all. There wasn't even a temporary ceasefire that was announced. There had been hopes going into the talks that that could happen. And they actually ended a day early uh, after that first round of discussions. It seems it was mostly an exercise in each side getting to put out their positions on the table again, indicate where their red lines were for any sort of further discussion around a potential peace deal and leave again. Uh, so it's, it's pretty much stating the obvious by the Kremlin that there was no breakthroughs here. Certainly also their announcement yesterday that they were going to de-escalate around Kiev was nothing new because that just reflects the events on the ground that have been happening the past few weeks already. Russia has been very bogged down there. Their troops have been stuck. And so they have made a tactical decision to withdraw there, to, to divert those resources to other place, places in Ukraine, particularly in the east and the south, and regroup in the conflict. So it wasn't really a magnanimous gesture to allow space for peace talks. It was a reflection of the reality of the war on the ground, if nothing else. And even as Russia has said that it does plan to de-escalate, we're hearing reports from Ukrainian leaders that uh, near the cities where Russia says it will pull back, Kiev and Chernihiv, there's been continued shelling in the overnight hours. Where do things go from here now, Roz? Well, that's right. There was indeed overnight shelling in both those places um, and fighting on the ground. The fighting could reflect the troops as they withdraw, um, that you can be engaged in, in conflict even as you are pulling back and possibly to the Belarus border and through. But it's also, again, just giving themselves cover to divert some of those resources to the east. You've seen very heavy shelling in parts of the east and the south overnight, no let up again for the city of Mariupol, but also in those separatist areas of, of the Donbass territories in the east. So you can see that there's not going to be no perhaps de-escalation of the shelling that's been going on of these cities, even if the troops do pull back their ground, that Russia is going to sustain the pressure. And that's probably also to ensure that Ukraine has no leeway to divert its troops over to the east and the south. You need to keep some pressure on in the north to prevent Ukraine having the opportunity to move their troops around as well. You mentioned the talks that were planned for today apparently are canceled now. We just heard from uh, Dmitry Peskov at the Kremlin saying a lot of work does remain to be done. Do we have any sense at this point that there will be further discussions and what could they entail? Well, at least there seems to be an intent to keep the conversation going. There was no date set, though, for further talks, and perhaps they might be uh, going back to having video conferencing meetings every day for now instead. At least they got perhaps a bit of a measure of each other in the conversation yesterday. Ukraine got the opportunity to set out the small areas of wiggle room it might be prepared to entertain in a broader conversation uh, and laid out some markers there, Russia did the same, but you can see the obstacles are very significant to a broader peace deal if they failed even to get a temporary ceasefire yesterday. That has to be the first step, really, is to get a temporary truce in the fighting. You allow the space for a conversation then for a broader deal, and they can't even get to that first marker as yet. In our last minute here, not the least of which for the hurdles with the talks, it seems to be the trust gap that Ukraine has with Russia. Do we have any sense of what it would take for Ukraine to trust Russia after all the reneging that the Russian side has done even before the invasion? 
Well, it seems that Ukraine wants to lay out a position where it wouldn't have to trust Russia. It will have the support of other nations as sort of a guarantee of sorts to keep Russia in its lane going forward. And that's why it's looking to a whole host of countries around the world, possibly a dozen of them, to sign up for written security guarantees for Ukraine so that if Russia says or does certain things, they've got support from the international community. Of course, that would probably still stop short of putting troops on the ground in Ukraine. But that sort of that really sends a signal. Ukraine says we're not going to be able to trust Russia no matter what they say, and we're going to need uh, these guarantees from elsewhere to ensure that Russia behaves itself. Thank you, as always, for keeping us up to speed. Rosalind Matheson, Bloomberg News Executive Editor for International Government. And again, reiterating the headline from the Kremlin this morning, spokesman Dmitry Peskov says that Russia does not observe any breakthrough in talks with Ukraine and a lot of work remains to be done. S&P futures now down 16 points. Dow futures down 100. NASDAQ futures lower by 79 points. And the 10-year Treasury yield 2.4%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. JCF's donor-advised fund is the smart choice to manage your philanthropy, especially in times of crisis. Make your giving impactful. Visit jcfny.org. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And we're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Russia has promised to cut back military operations near two key cities in Ukraine, including the capital, Kiev. But the U.S. and NATO have their doubts after the latest round of negotiations. We're still seeing fighting to the north and west of Kiev. And the Kremlin says there's been no breakthrough in talks. Here's Pentagon spokesman John Kirby. We're not prepared to call this a retreat or even a withdrawal. We think that what they probably have in mind is a repositioning to prioritize elsewhere. John Kirby at the Pentagon says airstrikes on Kiev are still happening, so the threat has not radically diminished. And in uh, Ukraine, meantime, Karen, President Vladimir Zelensky also has his doubts. We are seeing all of the risks. Of course, we are not seeing grounds to trust the words coming from representatives of the country that continues fighting to destroy us. President Zelensky says there are grounds not to trust Russia, and a regional governor says the city of Chernihiv was shelled all night despite Russia's promises. The U.N. says more than 4 million refugees have now fled Ukraine. That's nearly 10 percent of the population. Well, back here in the U.S., Nathan, we have new revelations tied to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. The House Committee investigating the insurrection has questions about former President Trump's calls that day. They've uncovered a seven-hour gap in the president's phone logs. The gap covers a period when lawmakers were trying to get him to stop the mob. We're also focusing on crypto this morning, Karen, after what's being called one of the biggest cryptocurrency attacks ever, and it wasn't discovered for almost a week. Let's get the details live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. 
Washington, hackers stole about $600 million from a blockchain network connected to the popular Axie Infinity online game. They drained what's known as the Ronin Bridge of close to 174,000 Ether and almost 30 million USDC tokens. The so-called bridge lets people convert tokens into ones that can be used on another network. The blockchain that supports Axie Infinity says the breach happened on March 23rd, but was just discovered yesterday. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. And turning to the stock market now, futures are lower after four straight days of gains. Oil is rising as optimism about a de-escalation of the war in Ukraine fades. And checking crude right now, NYMEX crude oil is up 1.8% of a dollar eighty-eight at $106.12 a barrel. Brent is up 1.6% at $111.95. S&P futures down 16 points this morning. Dow futures down 100. NASDAQ futures down 78. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Okay, Karen, thanks. 633 on Wall Street. Still 30 degrees in Central Park. They've cleared the accident on the Verrazano Bridge. We'll check with traffic shortly on any lingering delays. First, Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Three police officers are wounded in Buffalo after someone fled a traffic stop and led officers on a long chase through the city and shot at them. Buffalo Police Commissioner Joseph Gramaglia. One of the police vehicles being shot at, an officer was struck, um, was hit through uh, the police vehicle windshield, was struck multiple times. Um, Pursuit continued on with the suspect vehicle continuing to shoot. Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown says two suspects are in custody. This was a very brazen situation with a suspect shooting uh, from a vehicle at police officers. Mayor Brown says the wild chase ended at an intersection in front of a police station where officers shot and wounded the driver. New York's attorney general is asking a state appeals court to uphold a lower court ruling requiring former President Donald Trump to answer questions under oath. A.G. Letitia James says a civil investigation into his business practices uncovered evidence that he may have misstated the value of assets like golf courses and skyscrapers on financial statements for more than a decade. President Biden signed into law the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, which makes lynching a federal hate crime. During remarks at the bill signing ceremony at the White House Rose Garden, the president said hate never goes away, it just hides. Racial hate isn't an old problem, it's a persistent problem. Till, who was 14 from Chicago, was lynched while on a trip to Mississippi in 1955. Israeli officials say at least five people have been killed by a Palestinian gunman who opened fire in a crowded city outside Tel Aviv. The shooter was killed by police at the scene. California Governor Gavin Newsom blocked parole for Charles Manson follower Leslie Van Houten, reversing a panel's recommendation that she be freed after spending a half century in prison. Van Houten, who is 72, is serving a life sentence for helping Manson and other cult members kill a Los Angeles grocer and his wife in 1969. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 6.35 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. Nathan, only three Rangers have scored 50 goals in a season. Vic Hatfield back in 1972. Adam Graves in the Stanley Cup winning 1994 season. And Yarmir Yager in 2006. He's got the club record of 54. Chris Kreider 
scored last night. He's got 45 goals. There are still 15 games left. Big win for the Blue Shirts, 3-2 in Pittsburgh. They move ahead of the Penguins in the second place in the division. Islanders won 4-3 at Columbus. The Nets' first home win that included Kyrie Irving. They came from behind, beat Detroit, 130-123. Kevin Durant scored 41 points. Oh, their record is good, but... They still got pros over there. And tonight they made shots. You know, they start off the game making six threes in the first quarter. They give you a lot of confidence as a team, you know. So we had to, uh, and it's good for us to go through periods like that because it's going to be times in the playoffs where teams get hot unexpectedly and see how we weather a storm. Looks like the Nets will be in the play in for the right to be in the playoffs. Knicks tonight host Charlotte. Knicks going for a fifth straight win. At the Garden, NIT semifinal win for Texas A&M and Xavier, who fired its coach during the NIT. The two teams play tomorrow for the championship. The NFL, in an effort to downplay the importance of winning the coin flip that starts overtime, changing its overtime rules, at least for the playoffs. No longer will a touchdown win you the game. Both teams will now be assured of a possession. Safety Jabril Peppers leaving the Giants. He signed with the Patriots. Coming off a torn ACL. Will Tiger Woods play the upcoming Masters? 14 months after the car accident, Tiger displayed an 18-hole practice round at Augusta National with Justin Thomas and Tiger's son. John Stash Howard, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thanks. 6.37 on Wall Street. Time now to take a look at stocks, some of the names moving in the pre-market. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Laura Wright. Laura, quite a few stocks moving this morning on earnings. Where do you want to start? Micron Technology rallying 3.5% ahead of the bell after a positive after-hours move as well. Now, it's the largest U.S. maker of memory chips, and they forecast a record fiscal 2022 year. They focus on memory chips, which are used in a variety of products, and that includes data centers where sales soared 60% last quarter. And this demand for memory chips, it compensates for a flatlining of PC shipments as this part of the business is decelerating. Many customers already upgraded their computer devices over the pandemic. Important news given the chip shortage you've been dealing with over the last few months. We're also seeing a big move in Lululemon trading this morning. We are one of my favorite brands, a premium oh, athleisure maker. <laughs> it is a big fan of the leggings. Okay. Up 7.2% in the pre-market right now. Coming out with a sales forecast for the current quarter and year that surpassed estimates. And interestingly, Lululemon announced a $1 billion share buyback program. Demand has been robust since the pandemic, where a lot of us have maintained those lifestyle changes. We're working from home. We're outside more. Are you a big fan of uh, pet stocks? I see Chewy's not doing so well after its earnings. I don't have a dog yet, but I'm sad to say, even if I purchased one, it probably wouldn't help the situation that Chewy is going through right now. I mean, it's just a case of comps being so tough. Chewy down 13% before the bell. Comps are really tough because actually sales for the period still up 17% year over year. But again, they miss the analyst forecasts. Yeah. And uh, speaking of, I guess, uh, consumer discretionary, what's going on with RH, the furniture maker? Well, RH is rebounding in the pre-market. It's up almost 5%. But they, like Chewy, missed sales estimates. And it's a common theme, right? The macro picture presenting uncertainties with inflation, the cost of living, rising interest rates, the war in Ukraine. And they commented that these factors have softened demand in the current quarter. But they are vouching for a three-to-one stock split, which is set Mm. to take place in the spring. 
Yeah, but still, the uh, supply chain issues certainly haven't gone away. Laura Wright, Bloomberg News, as always, thanks for keeping us up to speed on what is happening in individual trades in the pre-market as we take a look at stocks as a whole ahead of this Wednesday morning open. Futures are pointing to a lower open with S&P futures down 15 points now. Dow futures are down 99. NASDAQ futures, they're lower by 73 points. Also seeing declines in European stocks with the DAX and Germany down 1.4% and the CAC in Paris down nine-tenths of 1%. Ten-year Treasury is down 3.30 seconds with the yield 2.40%. Yield on the two-year 2.32% after the brief inversion yesterday. NYMEX crude is up 2% or $2.11 at $106.35 a barrel. COMEX Gold at 19.25 even announced that's a gain of four-tenths of 1% and the euro right now 1.1123 against the dollar. Stay with us. We'll get the latest from the nation's capital, the reaction from the U.S. to Russia's claims of de-escalation. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Cloudy today. Showers possible this afternoon with highs near 50 degrees. Could hit 70 with more afternoon showers tomorrow. It'll turn partly sunny, breezy, upper 50s by Friday. 30 degrees right now. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Futures are lower this morning. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are in the red right now. Dow futures down 89 points. S&P's dropped 13, while NASDAQ futures are off by 65. The U.S. 10-year yield at 2.41%. Gold is little changed. Oil is trading higher. But Bitcoin is down by half a percent. Hong Kong rose 1.4% overnight, while European markets are in the red this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic Fund at 815 ADP employment change and at 830 the U.S. Q4 GDP. After the bell last night, Micron gave a strong forecast. Lululemon gave an optimistic sales outlook, but RH revenue missed estimates. Regarding earnings this morning, look for a paychecks report in the pre-market. And wrapping things up, Bank of New York Mellon was cut to neutral at Goldman Sachs and RH was raised to buy over at Jefferies. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. And that's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Despite a pledge from Russia to scale back some military operations in Ukraine, the war rages on just outside of Kiev. Meanwhile, the Kremlin says there was no breakthrough in peace talks and much work remains. Peace talks between Ukrainian and Russian officials were expected to continue today in Istanbul, but Turkey's foreign minister says the two sides have returned home for consultations. Israeli officials say at least five people have been killed by a Palestinian gunman who opened fire in a crowded city outside Tel Aviv. The shooter was killed by police at the scene. In the NBA, the Nets won, the Wizards lost, in the NHL, the Rangers and Islanders won, the Bruins lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. And let's head back to Karen. 
All right, Michael Barr, thank you. It is 6.49 on Wall Street. We turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT makes industry-ready engineers in more than 20 fields. If it's engineering, it's at NJIT. Learn more at njit.edu. And now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Slammed by the long-running chip shortage and surging materials prices, global automakers are now facing a new threat. Lockdowns in some of China's biggest cities. Toyota and Volkswagen suspended production at four plants in Changchun more than two weeks ago when the city was plunged into lockdown to contain a COVID outbreak. They say it's unclear when workers will be able to return. That follows a near two-week shutdown of factories in Tianjin during an outbreak in January. Goldman Sachs plans a full return to its offices in Hong Kong starting in the middle of next month. The firm is starting with a split team arrangement. The entire staff will be back starting April 14th. Hong Kong has begun easing coronavirus restrictions as the number of cases decline. And it's one of the biggest cryptocurrency attacks ever. Hackers stole about $600 million from a blockchain network connected to the popular Axie Infinity online game. They targeted what's known as the Ronin Bridge and Ether and USDC tokens in two transactions. The breach was not discovered for six days. And that's a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Okay, Karen, thanks. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. We're at 650 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include the U.S. saying it doubts Russia's claims of pullback in Ukraine. Senate leaders working to break an impasse on Russia trade legislation and a seven-hour phone log gap in focus for the House January 6th committee. For more on all these stories, we're joined once again by Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins. So, Emily, I guess the uh, response from the U.S. when it comes to Russia saying it's de-escalating is we'll believe it when we see it. That's basically it, Nathan. I mean, President Joe Biden said yesterday that he doesn't read anything into it at this point. He said that after a call with European leaders, sounds like uh, everyone is on the same page. In fact, the Biden administration is now considering providing another 500 million for Ukraine that could be used for humanitarian and military efforts. Uh, I mean, half a billion dollars being considered to send over there it doesn't sound like the Biden administration is convinced that this conflict is over. And the Pentagon was even more skeptical than Biden was going to be. Spokesman John Kirby told reporters yesterday uh, that the Kremlin's uh, claims that they will, that the people would be foolish to believe the Kremlin's claims that they're going to reduce attacks near Kiev. Uh, and Kirby said that it was repositioning, not a real withdrawal. Yeah, that was some big news yesterday from our Bloomberg News team about this idea of another half billion dollars in Ukraine aid. As you mentioned, it says something about where the Biden administration thinks the war is going. But what's the feeling on Capitol Hill about whether they want to add on even more aid to the billions we've already given Ukraine? Well, I remember I actually spoke with uh, the Republican leader in the House, Kevin McCarthy, the other week as he left uh, President Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's uh, address to Congress. And I asked him if he would consider more aid, and he seemed very open to that. There is still a strong bipartisan support in Congress for assisting aid to Ukraine. I think the one big question would be, 
you know, if Biden needs to come to Congress for this funding, how quickly is Congress going to be able to get that to him? Because we've seen uh, stalls right now, uh, that legislation to end regular trade relations with Russia that flew through the House with a lot of bipartisan support is now stuck in the Senate because one senator, Senator Rand Paul, Republican from Kentucky, has some concerns about a provision that he wants to get a little bit more specific. And it just kind of shows the nature of, of Congress um, that, you know, as far as quickly responding to things that, that they're not sometimes they're able to do it. But but it only sometimes takes one lawmaker to really hold things up. Well, what is the feeling about whether they can get something done either on that Russian trade legislation or Ukraine aid, quick, uh, get something there done quickly? Uh, I understand the Senate's heading toward another recess in a week or two. Yeah, and the House is going to, both of them, uh, tend to be out around the Easter holiday. I mean, there is, I think, still hope at this point that they can get something done. I mean, even if, uh, I mean, Senator Rand Paul, he's preventing the process from going as quickly as lawmakers would like, but there's certainly a way that he can have his objections and lawmakers can still get the uh, regular trade relations to Biden's desk. And I think in terms of, of funding, that's going to have to be something where the White House is going to have to make that request from Congress. I, I don't think we've seen that yet, unless, of course, the White House has some other uh, reserves that they're going to be pulling that funding from. Usually a request like that do need to originate with Congress. Let's turn to the latest, uh, Emily, on the House January 6th committee. A lot of attention about this news of a more than seven and a half hour gap in the White House phone log from the day that uh, supporters of President Trump stormed the Capitol. Yeah, this is something that that's really uh, been very interesting from the House's investigation into the January 6th insurrection. We know that uh, former President Donald Trump did make phone calls during that time period. We've heard about phone calls from lawmakers and from others. But when the committee looks for these records as to who he was talking to at the really uh, from the time that the riot started to the, to the height of it, we don't know anything about who Trump was talking to at this point from 11 a.m to 7 p.m. And it's a huge question right now. The committee is investigating this gap in the House log. And you've heard from lawmakers that, you know, they've really done a a deep dive here. They've spoken to more to 800 witnesses, including many aides who spent the day with President Trump. Um, There's been a lot of reporting that you have a lot of top-level people who have cooperated with the committee, even while other big names have pushed back and and taken it to the courts. Um, You know, I think we're going to be seeing more and more from this January 6th investigation uh, and, and I think at this point, uh, there we're going to be seeing more more potential revelations like this as the committee starts to make more of their investigation public. Only about 30 seconds left here. But despite the gap in the official log, we've heard from a number of witnesses who say that they did speak to the president during the time that's missing. So what does that say about where this investigation could be going? Um, it means that they're going to have to figure out a different way to, to get at this data, figure out why it's not there, and figure out that if this was part of some cover-up, uh, what that means. I think there's a lot more digging to be done here, and this is definitely a story that we're going to continue to be following. Yeah, certainly will be. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins, as always, thanks for keeping us up to speed. And you can read more about all these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. 
Bloomberg Radio in Washington. Yeah, you can listen to that at Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Karen. All right, Nathan, it is 6.56 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and March is Women's History Month. And every day this month, we're celebrating significant moments in women's history. Now with your installment for March 30th, here's Bloomberg's Renita Young. On this day in women's history in 1911, Ellen Swallow Richards dies. She was the first woman admitted to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, earning her Bachelor of Science in 1873. Two years later, Swallow Richards appealed to the Women's Education Association of Boston for their help in establishing a laboratory at MIT available for instructing women in chemistry. So the women's laboratory opened in 1876. Swallow Richards became became MIT's first female instructor teaching in chemistry and mineralogy in the women's laboratory until it closed in 1833. Swallow Richards was also a chemist and founder of the home economics movement in the United States. That's today in women's history. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Renita, thank you. And futures are lower. S&P futures down about 13 points this morning. Dow futures down 79. And NASDAQ futures down 66. Ten-year Treasury down 3.30 seconds. Yield 2.40%. And the yield on the two-year, 2.32%. NYMEX crude oil at $106.80 a barrel. Bloomberg surveillance is straight ahead. And for Nathan Hager, I'm Karen Moscow. And this is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.